I'm Arpita Bhattacharya. And I'm Yuliana Sheffel, and we both are economists from Leeds University Business School. We're going to be talking about wage inequality. Julie, you know what? I was reading this article from the OECD, um, which was talking about wage inequality being highest in the past couple of decades across mm-hmm. OECD countries. Now, uh, I remember from my labor economics module, um, wage inequality was kind of the overarching topic of that uh, module. And we were we studied about different drivers of wage inequality. And one that rolls off the top of my head, correct me if I'm wrong, is different types of people, because we are all different types of people, right? Uh, different types of people select into different levels of education, and that consequently results in wage differences. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, that's a good starting point. So basically, we assume that in lab economy, economics, we assume that people have different levels of ability, right? So we say that people have different levels of ability, and based on their levels of, it, of ability, the ones with higher levels of ability tend to be paid more, right? So independent of how well educated they are, they tend to be doing better at interviews and whatever. So by doing that, they always be paid more, right? So that's one thing. But the other problem here is, which is potentially why it could, or how it could explain income inequality, is that people who are better at doing things also are better at studying. And of course, that's why they also uh, will be selecting themselves into higher levels of education, right? right? And in that respect, they basically have a double advantage. So they're being paid more and they also have higher levels of education. And that, to some extent, could explain based on this really simple theoretical approach, right, that could explain um, the shape of the wage in uh, distribution. Um, okay. So you say this is a, a theoretical hypothesis, right? Yep. But one thing that's concerning is where it's pointing at, because this seems to be pointing at that education might be what is driving these differences. And then in that case... Should then governments not focus on investing on education so much? Is, yes. Would that be an implication of this then? If we believed that theory to be true, which is what it really isn't, then that would be the implication, right? So in this case, we would say, well, education is making it worse. So we shouldn't invest in in people getting any university degree because then that would drive income inequality. But then um, the question is, is um, empirical evidence supporting that? And we find right. that it's actually not. So if ah. there are studies, yeah, so there are studies um, by uh, Aschenfelter and Rouse in the US who actually looked at different people with different um, IQ scores. Um, and they found that within any of these uh, IQ score groups, percentiles or whatever, they found that there is not really that much evidence supporting this hypothesis. So people with better levels of education aren't paid better, which means this is a good thing. So um, human capital theory, the one that we just talked about, is not able to explain that, which is a good thing. So people get education, it's important. So basically, um, I think I recall this, this the, the evidence that you talked about, it was that the extra year of schooling is equally beneficial uh, irrespective of where people lie on the ability spectrum. Basically, yes, that's what it says. So in simple terms, it doesn't matter what kind of ability level underlying um, IQ score you have. Um, an extra year of schooling is always paid basically the same way. Okay, that's, that's, what that's good to know because basically, so then even if the theoretical prediction says otherwise, the empirical evidence doesn't support this yes. hypothesis. You know, there's, that brings me to a very popular um, uh topic in this area, in wage inequality, which is skill bias technological change. And it's being talked about a lot. Um, And this was that uh, recent technological change has been biased towards people or labor with higher skills. 
because um, they're more complementary to high-skilled labor. Um, and this has made, uh, this has driven this wedge between the top, uh, like very high-skilled and low-skilled people. Yeah. Um, is that, am I, am I right about this particular hypothesis? Yeah, so if we think about that, so again, if we're thinking about the theoretical assumptions here, right? So that would say, that would basically suggest if people are complementary to machines, which means um, they work better with machines. So for example, think about a computer, right? A computer is making our work easier, right? So we can do more in the same amount of time, but then if we're more productive, um, theory predicts that we should also be paid higher wages according to that, right? So yes. um, the skill bias technological change story would then say, if that was the only reason explaining that, that because people are being made more productive, that's by using these machines, that's why their wages increase further and more than what they would have in any other case. Um, but the problem of this approach is also um, that it would assume that people at the lower end of the skill distribution would be substituted by machines, right? So that basically means people who don't have enough skills, um, would, so their, their skills should be taken over by computers. And then this, all this scare about computers taking over oh. our... Our jobs start. Yes, so this is this is something that policy is so focused on right now that automation is going to come and wipe away so many of the jobs and yeah. keeping just like a big chunk of the Bay Area essentially, yeah. and then removing all other jobs. But um, again, theoretically, this is one of those. I feel like this is again one of those things where there is a theoretical hypothesis, and I can recall um, this paper by. Uh, Card and DiNardo, which said even though skill-based technological change seems like a very intuitive uh, explanation, it doesn't really support what's been happening. Yeah. Uh, actually, in reality. It's a really compelling story, right? Because it would explain why people at the upper end of the spectrum would actually run away or their wages would, would increase more. Um, exactly. So the problem here is that we have to actually think a little bit more deeply into what kind of tasks uh, people are taking over. So when we're thinking about what kind of tasks have been taken away by computers over the last, let's say, centuries, these, not centuries, decades, then we probably think about uh, tasks like, you know, bank tellers, people at the conveyor band, those types of jobs, which are, we call them routine jobs, routine jobs, jobs that can be easily computed or easily coded by machines. And then uh, people make, or because people make mistakes, those machines are more productive or, or more efficient in order to avoid mistakes, right? Um, so that's one thing. So these these jobs, however, tend to be in the middle of the distribution. So these tend to be taken away by machines. But then if we're thinking about what types of jobs are people doing at the at the lower end, right? So at, at, at low-skilled distribution. So think about like baristas or people in agriculture or, um, I don't know, cleaners, drivers, those types right. of jobs, right? Who have low skills, people can, anybody can do these types of jobs. And then you think about those jobs and then in their relationship with machines. So these are jobs that either all need a machine, right? So like a barista needs a coffee maker, coffee machine, um, etc. So also there, there seems to be some kind of complementarity going on. So it's not so easy to say that machines are replacing all of our work and especially are not substituting jobs at the lower end of the spectrum. Uh, absolutely. You know, this 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 reminds me of uh, I've been uh, working on this project with the engineering sciences here um, um, and it, it covers this area of robotics and robotics and infrastructure maintenance. And one of the things that I've learned is that robots are not at a place where they can replace manual labor yet. And when we think of the really low end of the skill uh, distribution, this is manual labor, which mm -hmm. means even though we, m we might 
feel threatened with automation, it's not right now at a place where it can do that. Yeah, but then if you think about it, that's that's completely true, right? So in, in in this case, the question is really more a question of is it how easy is it to really substitute uh, workers and machines? So the problem is we have thought that machines cannot take over these service jobs, right? Like cleaning, etc. But then, uh, or let's say driving, um, and then we think about driverless cars. Then ah, we think yes. about robot waiters um, and all of these things. And then we wonder, so what's going to happen in the future? So yeah, we thought that these kinds of jobs are safe, um, but that's actually not really true, right? So we need to think a little bit, or we need to be aware of what happens in the future. But you know, one major thing that we have to also bear in mind and consider is, um, although jobs have been taken away in the middle of the distribution, right? So let's say these bank tellers, etc. Uh, but these jobs haven't really disappeared. It's ma- mainly that the task that people in these jobs are doing has changed, right? So if you think about a secretary, for example, right? So let's think about them like 30 years ago, they typically were like um, typing up things that their bosses told them, right? So writing yeah. letters, etc. And that's not what they do anymore, because now bosses can do that stuff themselves, right? So now the type of work that these secretaries do has changed entirely. So there has been a complete change in the tasks. They do like an upskilling basically in these occupations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what we observe is although the types of, although machine has an impact on jobs and might take some of the jobs away, the types of jobs that we observe change as well. So question is... So basically something like human ingenuity is uh, bigger than this and we come up with new tasks and new jobs every time we are threatened with technological advancement. Yes. Um, but coming back to what I started with, wage inequality and, and what this this era of automation, if I can call it that, yeah. implies for wage inequality, I guess what we can conclude it's actually still an open uh, platform. Like we don't know what is going to happen. Yes. And then this, I guess this gets Isn't it me. exciting? It is. That's what I was going to say. It is so exciting to be a labor economist at this point. Because <laughs> yes. the way we do things, we reach theoretical hypotheses. And then we're like, but wait, let me see if the data supports it. And yeah. then we have all this empirical evidence. Um, and I guess it's the same here before before reaching very broad policy conclusions. Yeah. But, you know, students find it really hard because typically for them, it's difficult because they want one, one uh, type of, so, of, yeah. of, of uh, what do you say, uh, one type of like argument right and then say well this is the argument this is the model that fits everything but it's not really that easy which makes it exciting but also very exciting times to be an economist I guess labor economist labor economist I stand corrected (laughs) thank you thank you Julie